Jason, thanks for taking the time to jump on the call. Hey, anytime, Aziz. Uh, lovely to be here. Absolutely. You know, Mo and I have this running joke of, uh, you, you know, we keep wondering at what point during any episode are we suddenly going to pivot and start talking about Web3 and crypto and stuff. So the fun thing about this episode is we can start right from the beginning. Yeah, 100%. I think it's it's almost the right uh, momentous okay to get into crypto, just given the given the nature of how fast the space is and and how much is is going on. I think it just makes sense uh, to 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 get right in. Absolutely. Um, I I don't know about you, but everyone in my circle is pretty much talking about Binance and setting up their HQ in Dubai and DMCC adopting a whole comprehensive legal and regulatory framework for crypto. Uh, it seems like, you know, like you said, that's a momentous occasion. And now we're just kind of wondering how much longer until that draws in the world's crypto talent to the region. Um, so, you know, I, I just wanted to start this call with, of all the places you could have gone to anywhere in the world, you decided on Dubai. Why? Yeah, so I think Dubai has a lot of like personal connects for me as well as, uh, you know, a, a technological um frontier that they that they bring in and, and finesse that they bring into everything that they do they made it a really interesting uh, opportunity to come here and and try and uh plug into the startup ecosystem here um for background and context uh i i, I grew up in dubai and uh you know I, I traveled quite a bit uh in and around afterwards um exploring a bunch of cities and 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 trying out um different places to work remotely on and ever since COVID happened you know working remotely has become a thing. And Dubai, interestingly, has had um, much more crypto-friendly, um, you know, uh, policies in place as opposed to like most, most of the countries out there, I think. And I tweeted about this recently as well. I think with moving forward, um, a lot of the, like, unlike in the past where companies used to compete for talent, we're going to see a flux where countries are going to start competing for talent. And I think Dubai is at the forefront of that race. Just the the density of smart people per unit, you know, square square feet, uh, is increasing very rapidly, and the number of people moving in to Dubai on a, on an every every you know monthly basis, if you look at it, is growing at a really fast pace. This coupled with you know COVID friendly, um, safe environments makes it a very good place to actually be. And I see you know several business folks like millionaires from across the globe, folks in crypto, outside of crypto, everyone wants to kind of get in and be be plugged into into Dubai. And thereby I think it's a it's a really, really good, good time and space to actually consider moving in. And that holds good for the whole of MENA, not just Dubai, but I think like across the whole MENA region, they're they're doing some really fantastic stuff. Agreed. Um, you know, since Web3 has has really taken off in terms of investment dollars flowing into the field, say in the last like, you know, 18, 24 months, there's been a lot of debate as to which regions are crypto friendly and which regions are crypto unfriendly. Um, and it looks like certain regions are beginning to win the race, for example, Crypto Valley in Switzerland, uh, Miami, I mean, obviously has become sort of the hotspot for this kind of a thing. New York City, you know, the, the, the center of gravity has kind of moved away from San Francisco. Um, you know, part of what you do is helping build these ecosystems internationally on behalf of Celo. Um, what what factors do you see uh, being conducive to the growth of that ecosystem in Dubai, aside from the talent, obviously? Yeah, um, aside from the talent, I think it's a combination of um, four big factors. So one of them is 
um, government, which is like policy regulation and how how friendly it becomes to talent moving in, how easy it is to move in to begin with. Second, it's about the university talent and how much of it wants to wants to kind of plug into the space. And we're seeing a decent amount of Web3 talent coming in. Universities play a big role in ecosystem building by, you know, funneling in that hiring uh, that, that talent into, into different areas of the ecosystem. Thirdly, I think it's the it's the venture capital, um, you know, risk capital that is that has the appetite to take like big risks at like seed, pre-seed and like series A stage is super important for like an ecosystem to thrive. I think a big part of why Silicon Valley is hugely successful is the pace at which they they and the, the nature at which they move on on early early deals I think has made it super interesting for people to plug in. And lastly, I, I think it's like the how how aggressively do big corporate uh, I mean uh, tech tech giants or the giants that exist in the region try to move and like move fast. I think that makes a big difference. Acquisitions, mergers, these are all big factors to to driving um, like an appetite towards that. And I think um, ecosystems uh, such as you know uh, we've talked about Dubai, but like ecosystems such as even. Estonia, just how fast they're moving with with regard to regulation is just making them an exemplary example of of how um, crypto could thrive there. Agreed. So let's take a step back for a moment. Now, you and I met uh, at OnDeck, uh, and I've met a lot of really, really exceptional people at OnDeck. Um, I just wanted to know, how did you first really come into contact with Celo and become a, a part of that um, organization? Yeah, that's that's a great question. So I joined fairly early on. Um, I'm, uh, you know, used to be into crypto since about 2016, 2017 as someone that held crypto. Um, and for a bit of background, I previously did uh, hardware R&D, like focused on like, uh, you know, patents and, uh, and, and basically building products for the semiconductor industry that catered to, you know, primarily everyone that uses them, but probably doesn't know, you know, that that uh, they are technically touching it. So um, after I, I transitioned to crypto um, by means of holding it, I think there was a there was a light bulb moment that that went off. And recently, again, um, came across someone that was asking about like, what's your crypto light bulb moment? And I thought about it. For me, I think the light bulb moment was realizing how the barrier to exit in 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 businesses that are built on crypto is so low. So. Um, Everyone talks about barrier to entry being low, but barrier to exit being low is a whole new frontier because when barrier to exit is low, you have um, very, very customer-centric um, products that are being built out just because everyone can move out very easily. And so for me, that was a big light bulb moment that got me thinking. And at the time, I was looking at building my own thesis around the space. And I thought that blockchain did not have adoption because you know it, it's not where people are. It's meeting the the savvy folks, you know, where they are in their browser and their MacBook. But like, how do you get to the masses? And I noticed that Cello was doing something very, very unique in bringing about the change through doing blockchain, but in a mobile-first setting, which I thought like absolutely blew my mind. And so it started with a DM, like, a, and interestingly, a DM at early stage where I said, I want to, I want to work on this. Like, regardless of how it goes, you know, it's an open-source project. I could start by contributing to it. Uh, you know, as, as is like most most uh, crypto projects, and I'll talk more about like how people can get started as well. 
but um you know I, I thought i'll start contributing and then like it, it evolved into okay like can we can we see more more involvement and then we did um a, a round of financing with led by andreessen horowitz and like other other uh, uh folks across and and it started to grow really really fast and a lot of people across the globe started to see power in the movement that salo was going in for and i think that in some sense encapsulated me and i decided that you know moving forward i i understand the ethos i understand and appreciate why i need to be plugged in and i think it was an immensely rewarding experience and that's that's what kind of got me plugged into salo uh, full time and i love it i enjoy being here every single day uh, you know um, i i like working with startups and trying to get them from like 0 to to 1 uh, on on most regards and even helping them like grow further like by making connections etc and that's been a really interesting experience now when you say work with startups i'm assuming these are a lot of people um um building layer 2s yeah yeah so building layer 2s on top of platforms such as salo um mm-hmm. i'm i'm pretty chain agnostic so i help startups across different ecosystems my My entire thesis is that the future is going to be pretty interoperable, and we need to be, uh, you know, working together to figure out what those common common plug points are. And so I I work across different ecosystems, and it's been it's been super interesting to be very honest. Yeah, I mean, you know, D- D- Dubai has always been a center for finance, right? And what what Celo is doing is really helping democratize finance with the use of Web three. And what's very interesting in Dubai is, you know, the enormous expat population uh, calls for an enormous amount of cross-border finance that happens on say a per capita basis. There's a lot of inflows in, inflows out. So really it was a matter of time until um it, it was a matter of time until kind of web3 came in and and shook the hornet's nest so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think um uh Dubai has definitely been uh, a one of the hubs for decentralized finance uh, i'm sorry finance like centralized finance and uh you know with with uh um uh you know big uh, institutions such as like dmcc um difc and uh you know taking the front uh uh being front runners in in like world corporate uh, uh financial institutions and so many so many big um uh financial institutions taking like headquarters in dubai i think it was just a matter of time before um defi and decentralized finance kind of catches up and 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 you know finds its home roots in in dubai yeah and you know defi you know i've heard people try to argue that like you know bitcoin was the first true defi app as opposed to you know first true layer 1 but you know it, it, for me the light bulb moment as it was for a lot of people between 2011 and 2013 is when you when you are able to send uh any amount of bitcoin from one person's you know handheld device to anybody else's around the world and realize you're doing this with no intermediaries no western union no filling out forms no nothing um that's the true light bulb moment for me the fact that oh okay not only do we own the currency but we own the network that keeps this currency alive in the general ledger system um so i think you know i i i if i want to convert anyone to web3 that's the way i do it I just I kind of send them I I set them I set them up with an account on you know Coinbase or Binance whatever and I send them $5 in Bitcoin so that's it that's what it is you know um so you know obviously that starts the next discussion of like you know where do we go if we want to join you know a crypto project um or a startup somewhere um and I'll pose that question to you um where do you go if you want to learn more about what's happening uh, in Dubai and whether there's a role for you at anyone at any of these organizations Yeah, absolutely. So, um 
I think LinkedIn is a super powerful tool. While crypto is primarily plugged into Twitter and Telegram, uh, infamously so, um, I, I still think, yeah, Discord as well. Um, I still think that LinkedIn has merits where it counts uh, in, in just geolocation and like finding out who who is in like who is in the space. So simple um, plug to find out, you know, search your your region with like crypto you will end up finding a lot of interesting results across the course of LinkedIn. And then, you know, you can switch platforms to a Twitter and Telegram to actually speak with these people. Most people I notice in in, uh, in crypto are very, um, uh, very friendly in some sense. They're all skeptics, uh, which makes it super interesting to have chats with them about, you know, everything. But it definitely is interesting to see people who are this friendly, who are, you know, not necessarily... Um, you know, there is no elite mentality. Everyone wants to help you grow. And I think um, part of it is the fact that it's open and um, win-win. So unlike the traditional models where you had, um, I win, you lose, or you win, I lose, um, here it's sort of like when when more protocols come in with more layer ones coming in, there is a big scope because the investable area is just growing in, in size there is a big scope for everyone to win. And, and that's what makes it beautiful. And a lot of people just help you out quite, quite rapidly. So um, in terms of plugging in, I think it's it's a common mis, uh, misconception that you need to be technical to plug into crypto. That is completely not true. I encourage oftentimes, like I mentor and coach a lot of folks that are, that are, that are product designers, product managers, um, engineers that are looking to transition from Web 2 to Web 3. So if you have a, a good background in, in Web 2, you can very well be doing Web 3. And this is what we're seeing in Silicon Valley right now with like engineers from Facebook, Google, I'm sorry, Meta, Google, uh, you know, uh, Microsoft, et cetera, just transitioning out and, and moving to Web 3 full-time, diving headfirst and kind of transitioning entirely, which is like an interesting flux um, yeah. Because it it really you know captures the captures the this this um, true 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 potential of the space when you see a lot of smart people moving in. So for me, yeah. even though I saw a lot of people doing that back in 2017, I think what what I lacked was my personal light bulb moment. Like what you mentioned, Aziz, just now. That's that's a beautiful light bulb moment. I think for people to actually see the potential of the space, they need to do one of like four or five things. That'll like it, that'll hit them like a like a train where they will see and sense a light bulb moment that occurs out of just doing those three or four things, and I can talk about them as well. Um, <clears throat> that essentially captures how the space is novel and like what is unique about this that could actually get you get you um, you know uh, excited. And so um, I think uh, in in Dubai specifically, Crypto Valley um, has has a hub set up in DMCC. So you know, definitely stop by and 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 take a look. I've not really plugged in too much there, but I definitely know that they have a lot of crypto startups that are that are coming and setting up base there. Um, that's definitely one one good way to get started. And I think um, DIFC and like DMCC definitely have like um, directories where you could actually search like specific organizations and like find out and filter by by a category. That could be like super interesting to as well. And um, what I believe generally and more generally is if you have a drive towards uh, crypto, uh, you can find a Web2 fintech and make them crypto friendly. Like there's right. there's always the opportunity to, to, to do that. And like there's no there's nothing stopping you from from doing that. So definitely exploring that breadth could be could be super meaningful. 
there's been a lot of discussion about the importance of community and i've heard it a lot outside of like you know uh, fintech and all of a sudden it's becoming very very relevant in fintech so i think there, there's a tweet that pretty much encapsulates this and i wish i had it in front of me but it was something to the effect of uh, um uh, yeah so like you know the idea that uh, that uh, web3 is just here to be dominated by the same old money uh, by the same vcs is just not true it's like you know i've been tweeting since 2008 and they've never given me shit Airdrop gave, I'm sorry, uh, Uniswap gave me a $15,000 airdrop. So clearly, um, which community do you think I'm more willing to belong to if they're willing to, you know, pay me for my contributions? So it's, um, it, it, it's very interesting. And, uh, you know, just to follow up on, on your thought of, uh, you know, people moving from Web 2 to Web 3, I, I think it's very notable that I have yet to come across someone who is truly toxic in Web 3. Even if you came in and said, you know, I really don't know anything about the space, like they're immediately like, oh, that's that's fine. Here, I'm going to send you all this reading material. Download this app. Check this out. Check out that wallet. This is a seed phrase, and this is how that works. And this is Bip thirty. You know, and it's it's just been very very open and very very wel welcoming. Um, you know, you mentioned Crypto Valley in Dubai, um, and I think uh, this is this is the region's answer to um, the the uh, regulatory framework uh, adopted by Switzerland. Uh, basically opening the door to all and i was not aware, aware there is a directory so that's something i'm going to i'm going to have to look up yeah um definitely definitely do that i think um um and I, i'm happy to also like this this kind of triggers a thought for me which is that um you know being plugged in i could potentially put together a repository of like resources that could just be community-led and uh you know of, of of stuff to do in dubai that's like crypto centric so i'll, I'll definitely Get that in the works and 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 see how how I could um, help help potentially your audience uh, kind of plug in better. And to your point about community, I think um, with Web three, it's increasingly like it's become increasingly imperative to 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 think about community management and like community as part of your core core thesis to like operating a business. Unlike previously, where um, product and product market fit was was everything. Here you have like three factors that come in, three or four factors that come in. So sort of like product, chain, market, and community um, that all need to fit and like come together to like build this like common, common goal, which is why I think like the purpose of why a chain or why a product is being built is super important because like community can come together on like financial incentives that's like fueled through, through you know, incentives that's generated through like VC money. But in the long run, for like stickiness to actually occur, you need community that's bound by a certain purpose. And that's another reason, like to your point earlier about like why join Solo, I think like the purpose was is is very, very solid, like to, to bring financial uh, prosperity to everyone uh, across the globe. And they've been living up to it by means of actually working on ground to help help people get access uh, through, you know, building for all and um among other tenants and like, you know, innovating on money and trying to trying to basically create, create like this, this common shared future as, as you know, esoteric and difficult as that sounds, uh, they've been really, really trying. And I think, I think it's amazing to see uh, that, that come together and community as it stands is, is probably the most important. And you're seeing that happen more and more where discord managers and like, you know, people who can manage telegram are extremely highly highly respected in the community just because of how how niche their skill is and how how good uh, they can you know make the product overall and so you can see a lot of the founding founding teams in in crypto startups 
actually incorporate a community manager as like one of the you know one of the early early builders uh and so definitely encourage anyone who's a community builder to like you know give give you a shout out if they if they want to get plugged in this so many startups out there looking for community managers be more than happy to help i mean imagine managing your family group chat times 10000 i think that's that's how difficult that task is <laughs> yeah i i mean i i don't think you could put it any better than that <laughs> um so okay so we know that there's a lot of like um you know operator activity kind of coming to dubai and setting up shop um a lot of the vc activity at least in the last few years has been a matter of raising larger and larger amounts from sovereign and semi-sovereign entities as well as notable family funds and that's still fairly solidly web 2 and even then most of the winners come from the f&b and transport spaces how do you envision this rotation happening from web 2 to web 3 in the vc sphere and what projects do you see gaining the most traction whether it's defi or other uses of blockchain yeah super interesting question um i think what i've been seeing from my experience is that uh, a lot of family funds and like uh funds across uh the the region definitely want to be plugged into crypto and like want to want to be getting in i think what's happening is there is an access problem wherein um there's a lot of founders that don't necessarily take capital for the sake of capital and like there's become a gross importance for like smart smart money and smart capital to actually come in i think a big part of the transition involves you know believing in the space and plugging in not just for the capital upside that comes from holding on to a coin but more importantly participating in all aspects of the of the purchase when you when you get in so one example of this is um i'm a i'm a global like expert at the at the blockchain founders fund and they invested into um splinterlands which is a game and so typically when people look at a game they'd say okay like just give me you know shares in the game and that's it like i won't think too much about it whereas like true 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 you know crypto uh native vcs will actually start to think about okay like maybe i would want to have like advisory tokens maybe i would want to have like a bit of land in the game as well um rather than just getting like tokens in the game so in, in thinking about that yeah like nfts like land as nfts and then instantly it opens doors up to so many new ways to generate revenue i know that there are so many games out there that can generate like um, a lot of lot of money for for people that just hold on to the asset almost you know many many fold um the amount that they put in early on and so it's it's very interesting to see so i think i think part of it is like the the knowledge and like acceptance barrier that needs to be lowered that can be lowered by means of people plugging in and then and then secondly it's it's um it's actually getting a lot more native um you know uh companies being built out in the region itself i think that's a big part of so when you see more i've, I've seen one inch uh, exchange here that is interesting exchanges in the region are being funded rain bitoasis uh so the more crypto organizations form a base here that try to try to plug in the better it becomes with time for um vcs and local um folks to get acceptance as well as access to these deals and with time it starts to grow right and and um the thing about crypto also is that it becomes tricky to geographically plug in as a vc um and the reason for that is because uh tokens are inherently global and like decentralized and on the internet um when when a person's looking to raise geography no longer becomes a barrier and so while a lot of the talent is moving out of like silicon valley right now 
you still have a lot of the capital that's still coming out of Silicon Valley. That that makes it a super interesting uh, thesis that you know you don't necessarily need to be in any one location to be able to fund um, wallets. So from perspective, uh, you know a lot of crypto startups when they when they raise, they typically take um, funds in the form of crypto. They don't necessarily uh, need to take uh, uh, you know uh, money money that way. And so it's important for VCs yep. to think about how they could maintain sufficient reserve, how they could uh, build a thesis that's strong enough to uh, get their LPs on board. And uh, this is part of what I've been trying to help like with, with plugging into the ecosystem, because I believe that that phase where like LPs interact with VCs and VCs interact with LPs, that phase, if change starts to occur, my sense is that geography will not matter. And like a lot of the funds moving out of the region will move into global um, global crypto startups, regardless of where they're located, they, they will they will get good access to it. Um, it's slowly happening, but I think there's there's a lot more to be done there that could be like really really interesting. Agreed, and just as important as geography becoming less and less um, important, um, I really like the idea that crypto. A lot of the quote unquote crypto millionaires and people who've made significant significant amounts from crypto are not the typical investors. They're not the people who would usually be LPs and VCs. Um, they're not accredited investors by U.S. definition. They're usually not that cash rich. It's just they've simply been allowed to access these high risk, uh, high return investments simply because there was no law banning them from doing so, as was the case with a lot of startups. Um, being able to raise from anywhere and being able to raise from retail investors and people who are most likely going to be your customers, A, that goes back to the community discussion we had, which is it's a lot better for your community to have these, you know, very vocal evangelists who have in, who have invested in your uh, your crypto startup. Um, and the other thing, I just wanted to comment on your point on on exchanges, um, the rise of exchanges here in the region, like Rain, like BitOasis, um, it demystifies the space, which I think which I think helps people move from being uh, just investors in the assets as a speculative basis. To then asking the question of okay, how does this asset, whether it's layer one or layer two, really help power a network and help run DApps and help so on and so on? So it, it becomes a slippery slope, uh, which is excellent for for the you know maturation of the capital base, uh, especially in the region. Um, speaking of which, uh, the centralized exchanges are rising notably here. There's a, a lot: BitOasis, Rain, CoinMina. I'm sure there there are a number a number of them that I'm forgetting right now. But what is the DEX activity looking like in Dubai? Are people really investing in building uh, new DEXs? Um, to my knowledge, there are some in the works, although I don't have full view into, into a lot of the DEXs that are building. I think um, um, because DEXs are decentralized and inherently global, uh, a lot of people that participate participate by means of just plugging into a zero X or a Uniswap and, and, you know, they just exchange using uh, mm -hmm. decentralized exchanges that are globally available and they don't know the geography of it. So uh, right. to, to my knowledge, I don't think it's been uh, geographical. It's mostly about the liquidity that exists on the exchange. And so like the mm -hmm. giants that exist right now, for them to be dethroned, I think it's less geography, more technological in terms of like offering your customers a very uh, competitive, uh, you know, swap rate and ensuring that they have a good like user experience. I think you're playing on a variety of factors, and yep. geography may not necessarily be one of them when it comes to decentralized exchanges. However, when it comes to centralized exchanges, 
there's definitely like aspects that people can compete on, including UX, fees, um, you know, creating creating the most customer centric product. I think definitely does win yeah. win quite a bit there. Customer support, for one, I think is a huge differentiator with centralized exchanges because some of them really suck. I mean, I won't mention any names, but um, uh, yeah, I think the, the point I was making with Dex is really is, um, uh, you know, I, I watched this um, um, Andreessen Horowitz uh, video recently, and it mirrored a lot of things that I thought were happening uniquely to me in the space. So um, whether your funding journey hap- starts with buying an FTI, a future token interest, or uh, some other, you know, safety, uh, simple agreement for future tokens, um, that's th- that's one way for you to start decentralized from the get-go, basically. Um, whereas if you look at the standard equity arrangements that slowly become uh, tokenized, uh, you know, for governance and for for basically tokenizing your equity, um, that's the older way to do things. And I, I think that way is slowly going out the door uh, in favor of token native. Um, but of the equity-based uh, groups in Dubai, I'm I'm really interested to see who is really trying to build the Uniswap killer and whether this is something that can truly start organically in Dubai. Um, so the law right now allows for standard equity and it's, and it allows for uh, you know conversion to a token as time goes on. Um, but is that discussion of token native in Dubai coming up more and more? Yeah, certainly. I think um, uh, as companies that are inherently Web to start to think about incorporating tokens into their existing, um, you know, software stack. Uh, how how they could reward people that have previously been holders of equity in the company with tokens makes it increasingly challenging to actually figure out the dynamics of how how that would work out. I've spoken to a variety of companies in the region that have you know been fairly well well renowned uh, fintech players. Web two native that are looking to plug into Web three little by little, and then one of the biggest barriers that they face is figuring out how to distribute after after they've done it, and oftentimes it's almost like, um, you know, I, I think the barrier to thinking about this is thinking about it as as something that's completely different, something that you're minting uh, fresh. My sense is you could be thinking about it as, uh, you know, equities as equivalent um, to tokens. And, and be distributing accordingly. It's just that here with, with it, you have a public cap table where everyone can see what the, what the cap table looks like and how many people hold what token. And more importantly, I think um, it, it's more open so you can, you can basically distribute it a little better. And you can also allocate bit to community, like a big portion of it. And this is, this is increasingly important. So like keeping, keeping a portion of that out for communities, like um, interesting. So I think in terms of distribution, um, it people typically reserve about you know five to ten percent of their of their reserve, which is like total supply that they probably won't mint any more of for their VCs. So if you've traditionally gone through uh, a safe, which is like a you know simple agreement for uh, equity, uh, you could essentially convert that to a setting wherein you could you could receive tokens um, for you, you, basically investors could receive tokens. And uh, we're seeing a lot of people try try a variety of things there to to essentially get them, um, you know, get get their investors excited about the space and uh, do it. And for the most part, I don't see it as as something that like um, uh, that that blocks. As long as as an entrepreneur, if you continue to speak with your investors about what you're thinking about uh, in terms of transitioning, I think they'll start to see huge opportunity because 
in addition to getting, um, you know, uh, you're, you're also getting your VC um, a lot of access and exposure to crypto in addition to also giving them like tokens. So there is, there is a conversation to be had around that and like transitioning. And I'm more than happy, like I've been writing a couple of pieces around this as well. Um, they're all in the drafts right now, but I'll be more than happy to share that with your audience as soon as it's, uh, as soon as it's published. Yeah. That would be excellent. We'd love to tweet it out. Um, so I wanted to ask you, as somebody who's been privy to the rise of a number of different, you know, brand new crypto ecosystems, Dubai being the latest, what are the fatal mistakes to avoid for any new up and coming ecosystem? Excellent question, Ziz. I think um, I think sudden changes in regulation is like taking like sharp turns is something that you want to definitely avoid, right? Like uh, take your time to understand the space and and slowly transition to a point where you where you want to go to. Uh, but making sharp turns right and then coming you know sharp turn left does not work out because. Um, it takes a lot of time for for consumers to actually um, you know rebuild the trust that they initially had, and a lot of uh, crypto ecosystems have failed in that regard by by just basically making um, sharp turns. So I think I think one of them would be to not not do a knee jerk reaction to to changes across the globe on it. Uh, it is probably the most important one, and and second I think um, failure to to create like open immigration uh, policies for digital nomads, that's that's another one. Crypto is inherently moving, um, you know, from geography to geography, and it becomes very important for, uh, you know, countries to be open to this talent coming in. Um, I think a lot of countries have realized this, including um, Croatia, Tallinn, Estonia, you know, the Bahamas. There's so many countries that are actually becoming slowly becoming open and more and more open to these like digital tech nomads who who come in to build. And I think doing that or like failure to do that is one of the biggest um, mistakes, uh, uh, you know, an ecosystem could make to actually seeing that growth, growth coming. Yeah. Agreed. Um, I mean, the influx of Chinese talent from all the exchanges that have been kicked out of mainland China is going to be huge, especially, especially in Dubai. I mean, I've been seeing it already among Chinese friends and Chinese American friends who, you know, without mentioning names, who had been set up prior in Beijing or, or in uh, Guangzhou and um, have been shown the door for regulatory reasons. Um, a lot of them have actually been mentioning Dubai as the next big thing. And that takes us back to our opening statement, which is Binance is starting to look very comfy in their new home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love I love what you shared, Leozis. I think um, rightly put, uh, the the... Talent per, per square feet in, in Dubai is growing at a, at a really fast pace. And I think it's quite the place to be. So I, I strongly encourage anyone that's thinking about, uh, you know, just come in, experiment, try and live remotely and like work remotely for a while and then see how that goes and eventually make, make it your home. Why not? I mean, one thing I've noticed is, is Dubai has definitely sponged a lot of the uh... Uh, the technical talent um, among the native Gulf population, uh, they all end up migrating to Dubai for, for at one point or another, either as operators or as or as investors. And you know, Web three being the next iteration of that, I think is a great idea. Um, <clears throat> so I, I wanted to ask, um, what non DeFi uses for blockchain do you see picking up as of late? So I've been noticing DSO, decentralized social media, um, slowly, you know, kind of gaining momentum. Uh, on Twitter, which is odd because that's exactly what it intends to kill. 
but everyone's starting to look at you know the non-financial aspect of things. Um, what what projects, layer one, layer two, interest you most? That's uh, that's a good question. Um, uh, so, among among non-DeFi applications, I think um, things that I'm most excited about, like in in increasing order of priority, um, rather decreasing, is games. Like games are huge and. Uh, they could serve as the best gateway for people that have been plugged into like traditional games to actually get into crypto, like by means of holding um, lands or holding NFTs uh, in in different aspects of of the. So gaming is definitely one. In addition to that, I think um, just thinking about like art and media history, that's another like big part of it that could essentially come into into um, like mainstream uh, by means of uh, real life application of NFTs. Uh, lastly, I think the world is increasingly seeing a changing order in like management of organizations. And so DAOs are something I'm very excited about. So infrastructure for DAOs, um, I, you know, invest into companies as well that like focus on infrastructure for DAOs. And uh, it's, it's amazing how, uh, how people are figuring out payroll and, you know, managing their employees and uh, passing governance proposals, all of this entirely decentralized autonomous um, and so that I think is like the third aspect of it, which is that for society to successfully function as like a decentralized autonomous organization, I think there's a lot that needs to go into, into place for like it to, it to work out. And like for holders of the token or believers in the idea of like it succeeding um, to participate in the upside, I think there's a lot that, that needs to happen. And I think these three are the areas that are non-DeFi that I think could really take off in the next uh, five to 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I'll throw in there is uh, um, what we're seeing with like, you know, optimistic versus zero knowledge rollups and the scaling solutions and, you know, things like Polygon. Um, you know, I think I, I was explaining to a friend, I think it's a good problem to have that gas fees are so high because in the early days, you couldn't find enough people who wanted to use this chain uh, to build apps. And now you have the opposite problem. You have so many that it's scaring new people off with the very, very high gas fees. So uh, scalability uh, whether it's new layer ones or, uh, or layer two uh, solutions, I think is going to be very, very interesting uh, place for investment in the next uh, in the next couple of years. Um, so you mentioned DAOs. I noticed um, DAOs. As far as I know, the only place I know that where DAOs are somewhat you know legal and recognized by at least local court systems is Wyoming. The state of Wyoming uh, recognizes DAOs in the same way that it recognizes LLCs from the from its state or from other states. Have you heard anything about any of the regulatory framework around DAOs in the UAE? Um, not yet. Um, you know, it's still, I'm sure it's still in the works, but uh, nothing, nothing in in Dubai and UAE um, on on DAOs. Um, but that being said, uh, in addition to Wyoming, which I thought was like very interesting, the way they recognize it, and you know, they're seeing an influx of DAOs being incorporated in the US in Wyoming. Mm-hmm. Tallinn, Estonia is another place that um, definitely has like very crypto-friendly laws and like DAO, DAO structures. A couple of companies that have invested into are focused on, um, I mean, their, their entities are focused in, in uh, Tallinn, Estonia. And I think that that um, is, is amazing and like testament to why people are like moving, moving there to actually start their businesses or even just getting like digital residency to like start, start a DAO in, in the country. Yeah. Yeah, what's been going on in Thailand has been really interesting. This this predates Web three. I mean, it's it's uh, they call it Estonia for a reason, I suppose. Um, so 
Jason, I, I mean, I've had conversations with people who argue that there is still a lot of, you know, hardware headwinds uh, when it comes to adoption and kind of facilitating Web3, specifically on mobile. Um, so, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've had discussions where people try to guess on whether or not Apple would be willing to add, uh, you know, digital signature uh, infrastructure. Uh, just for it to, you know, ma just make it native to the system in the same way they've done with credit cards, for example, on Apple Pay. Um, is that something that you foresee happening? And if it never happens, will it permanently be a crutch to Web3? Uh, not, not particularly. So I, I think that um, it will happen either by means of the tech giants adopting it and like making it your bread and button, uh, bread and butter uh, every day, or it'll be something where a new giant starts to take form. Um, good example of this is like Coinbase with their ever-expanding um, you know, set of verticals. Uh, like recently I heard of like Coinbase Cloud, which was, which was mind blowing because sort of like thinking about AWS back in, the, uh, back in 2000 um, and it's, it's incredible how much potential all of this has, right? And um, I think that if organizations fail to rapidly innovate and and stay abreast of like Web three and how they could plug in better. It it can lead to to uh, uh, loss cause at a later point in time, which is why I think like uh, the the pivot that uh, Facebook is looking to make besides the brand uh, of it, uh, it's it's quite a quite a uh, it's it's a strategic move long term yeah. to to just be better plugged into this even with like. Um, block and uh, tractors going all in. These are all like big, like broad signals in, in broad strokes that can give people a sense that there is a lot of opportunity lined up. And um, I think right now it's a matter of time before when uh, big companies like Apple and um, Amazon and like start to accept or like think about crypto, crypto more natively. They're like waiting for it yep. to be pre-vetted by some of the folks. And then after that, I think it'll, it'll eventually come through. Yeah. I mean, acceptance by the giants is one thing and then giants dominating is another thing. So for example, I love, I love VR and most of my uh, VR experience has been in an Oculus headset, which is obviously owned by Meta. Um, there are those who say that, oh, you're just facilitating some kind of uh, North Korean levels of uh, oversight. You know, if you just basically give Facebook the keys to monitoring everything that happens in my Oculus. Um, but um, and another thing is, for all the decentralization talk around Web3, when AWS goes down, those dApps go down as well. So how do you foresee a break from the existing giants in the future? Like what's going to replace AWS? What's going to replace Oculus for the hardware uh, aspect of the metaverse? Um, will that as will that side of things truly go decentralized or is decentralized just going to be, you know, our individual use and financial benefit from these networks? That's a deeply thought provoking question. I think um, my personal hunch is that uh, while your hardware and while your like base layer may still continue to be in some sense centralized, uh, you know I, I've seen a lot of chains try to do like multiple um, instances running on, and, and inherently because the blockchain is a decentralized ledger, a distributed ledger, you have the same ledger being distributed across uh, Azure, uh, you know Google Cloud, AWS, and uh, a variety of other. 
cloud providers, right? Mm -hmm. And so that makes it interesting because you know when one one of the providers goes down, you still have a lot of redundancy in place to prevent um, that from being like the single point of failure. So I think uh, one of the one of the aspects that I'm I'm very excited about is like self custody. So while while people may not necessarily um, you know would still be using Oculus or like Meta hardware they would still be custodying a lot of their own personal data. And right. we're inherently moving towards a model where people choose to custody their data and pay for use rather than the other way around, which is like free to use, but data is owned by uh, another giant. Yeah. So um, I think that whole concept of like custody is very, very powerful. And in the long run, could lead to a lot of um, meaning for, for even the base layers because they could start to participate in the upside that these giants have and not not um, you know cannibalize on the data itself and data may not necessarily be the most relevant asset on on top of uh, these ecosystems and um, i think i think you know with time facebook will also i mean meta will also figure out ways in which like the oculus um oculus and and uh, it's it's um in the future uh, uh, basically makes money off of of people that use it and uh, in in a way that's not cannibalizing on data i think yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, they could always license other people's data and make sure they get paid if they are to profit off them as an organization, right? So, Absolutely. You know, like, the, Absolutely. like the tweet said, I've been using Twitter since 2008, and they haven't paid me shit. But Uniswap made me fifteen thousand dollars richer. So, why the can't why can't this be adopted by the rest of Web two as a model? Um, yeah, it, it, it's. Uh, uh, the other thing I wanted to mention was uh, uh, you talked about like you know people understanding the concept of custody in crypto. Um, so getting people on board, look, we're still very, very early. There's still a lot of people who are learning about crypto for the first time, people who are who are gonna download their first you know metamask or first whatever. Um, th I think they need to better understand the concept of not your keys, not your crypto. Uh, just to yeah. draw the real world parallel of this is a vault and you own the keys to the vault and what's inside the vault is yours as opposed to custodial options. Um, I don't say this from like a hardcore, you know, Bitcoin anarchist nerd of they're going to, you know, Coinbase is going to steal your stuff when you're not looking or anything. Um, but people need to understand that, you know, the true difference between Web 2 and Web 3 is that you truly own it and no one can divorce you from your assets if you don't consent to it. Uh, so long as your keys are your keys. Um, that's something I think needs to change as far as the education goes. Like, you know, when we're trying to talk to new people to get them on board with web three, one way I found it helpful was to explain it to my parents who I have convinced to set up uh, Bitcoin wallets and like dollar cost average and keep buying every now and then. Um, I tell them your public address is your email. You know, you send your email address to someone, uh, so that they can send you email. Um, but your private keys or your emails password, you don't give those to anybody ever. And uh, I think, you know, even for my for, for my parents who are by no means hackers, uh, it, it, it's made the concept clear to them. Um, so for somebody who is, you know, crypto native like yourself, um, how do you think the educational aspect of things should change so that people really make the most use of Web3 for their own personal benefit, for their own personal enrichment, as opposed to thinking, oh, this is just some other cool app? Yeah, um, I think there's... There's a couple of aspects to it. So, firstly, understanding and appreciating like uh, uh, custodial and non-custodial is like one very important facet of it. Like, not your keys, not your is is 
very important um, distinction because it in a sense when when you do happen to realize that you are custodying your own money whether it's now or 30 years from now and you could basically regardless of where you are go cash out in an exchange and and recover the benefits of like what you once um, received i think it it makes very very uh, important interesting and an education uh, piece as well i see a lot of people saving up for their for their you know the education of their kids using crypto and that for me is is absolutely mind blowing uh, you know we need we need more applications that allow people to do that in a in a fairly simple way uh, especially because um, crypto is is fixed cap and there's no more crypto being printed so there's actually digital scarcity and not digital abundance the way it was in like web 2 um, and so it it makes it very very interesting and like important for people to get in and like get into the space uh, uh, a little more uh, early so um i think one other aspect of education that is important is um the the different protocols that exist so once you buy on and like get onto the coin which is like step 1 like getting into the ecosystem how you actually use the the coins is still something that's like a 99 to 1 which is that 99% of people only hold they don't necessarily do anything or plug into the value that exists in the ecosystem so figuring out ways in which it could grow is is deeply meaningful while words like staking lending protocols um and and uh, liquidity pools can scare people away abstracting those away with with simpler language like um just banks like decentralized banks so that that instantly creates a mental model where uh, there is there is a money being pooled in and that's being lent out and you're making interest on top of that which automatically makes it very easy to to understand you know, like liquidity staking- pools as, as- Yeah, yeah, I was going to say if you call staking an interest-bearing savings account, it just demystifies it for a lot of people. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Like fixed APY uh, savings account automatically makes it a uh, lot, lot simpler uh, for for people to understand. Instead of saying yeah. that you're participating in consensus mechanisms that allow um, transactions to go through on the blockchain, and for that you get a reward. Just yeah, saying I mean, that it's interest-bearing if- APY. It's just- Yeah. Exactly. So if if you use the interest bearing savings account um language like all of a sudden it becomes a lot easier to sell this to retirement systems who need uh who need constant income. Uh I mean, you know, mining generates income and that's one of the main problems with like pensions and retirement systems around the world is that the usual income bearing uh instruments things like bonds now yield nothing whereas crypto is still yielding pretty well. So it it makes sense for them to move in that direction. And again, this is just as things move from being from the domain of crypto anarchist web nerds to being just another tool in the ecosystem. Um the web nerds will always be there obviously, but um uh, the the language just kind of really changes how you sell this and how many people are willing to buy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um uh, Yeah. I think with time with time like the user experience of doing all of this, like abstracting the gas fees is a big part of it. I I compare it often to shipping fees on amazon and like mm-hmm. prime where in abstracting away the concept of shipping fees automatically led to a blow up in like e-commerce similarly i feel like mm-hmm. a lot of services that are abstracting away gas fees will eventually lead to like wider adoption because there are institutions that are willing to pay out that gas fee to like drive adoption but mm-hmm. they're not getting the the opportunity to do that unless you know people people allow uh, for for solutions in which you know the the yeah. at a high level it's just abstracted away in some sense 
Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the, the flip side of that is, you know, so I sent a few thousand dollars in Bitcoin uh, to my to my dad and we did it on the Lightning Network and uh, it was like nickels. It was nothing, you know, the, the fees and also it was lightning fast. So again, if you want to draw the parallel to real world examples and he's in another country, it's like, imagine had I done this with a bank through Swift, A, what would it have cost? B, how many days before you get it? Right. And then that's the, aha, okay, that's the value here. I get it. You know? So uh, Jason, uh, you know, I, I wish we had a few more hours. Uh, this was, this was fantastic. I'm now even more excited for Web3, if you can believe it. I love it. I love it. Um, it was amazing to chat with you Aziz, through the, through the course of this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was such a pleasure. And uh, by the way, next time I'm in Dubai, please let's, let's grab lunch or something. Absolutely. Let's, let's definitely do that. Uh, fantastic. Awesome. Thanks, Jason.